G'day, I'm Indy Wood and this is The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. We're going to do things a little bit different this week. We're going to spend the whole episode in Bega Pioneers Museum. Remembrance Day is just around the corner and it just so happens that it's perfectly timed that Robin Evershed, the great-great-granddaughter of the amazing Dr Montgomery Evershed, whose name is on our local clock, was in town to deliver some war medals that were associated with Arthur Clifford Evershed, Dr Evershed's son. going to be there on site at the museum for the handover of those medals. To attention everybody, I'd like to welcome Robin Evershed, who's come all the way from Wagga to see us and to bring us some memorabilia of the Evershed family. She is the great granddaughter of the great Dr Evershed. There's the works out of his clock. Peter Rogers is the current president of Begas Historical Society and he had responsibility for overseeing events at the museum for the presentation of these war medals. I might say that the local council a couple of years ago decided to do up the clock, which hadn't gone for a while. So they renewed the works and placed quartz crystal clocks behind each face. I came across them there one day dismantling it all and I said, the museum wants the works that you discarded. Two days later they turned up with a truck and dumped it here in the middle of the floor. Our handyman got to work and built a frame to put it on. And a ch- another chap in our repertoire, a telecommunications expert, got the clock going. And there it is, the original works ticking away after nearly 100 years. It's a great pleasure to have you here, Robin, and we thank you for coming. One of the medals that Robin Evershed donated to Bega Pioneers Museum is what's referred to as a death medal or a death penny. The medal was sent to Arthur Clifford Evershed's family in recognition of the loss of his life in the First World War and is, as the name would describe, in the shape of a penny, probably about the same size as what you would see an Olympic gold, silver or bronze medal to be, framed in a square frame. It was for my great-uncle Cliff, who was killed on the Somme, and apparently these, they called them death pennies, but these death medals were sent to families. I don't know exactly when, probably the end of the war, I don't think... It was after the war. Yes. So so your great-uncle Cliff was one of... Dr. Evershed's children, or...? Yes, uh, the middle one. He wasn't married, and he was in the commercial banking company of Sydney Limited, and he was um, in Albury when he enlisted, because I expected to see his name on that memorial arch, but then I thought, oh, perhaps because he wasn't actually living here then, that probably on the Albury War Memorial... He's on the War Memorial in Canberra. How many generations of Dr Evershed's family stayed or remained in Bega? Do we know? I think it was only Uncle Welby and Aunt Anne. They, they were here. But my grandfather was Oswald 
and he went into the bank too and moved around, of course, like bankers had to in those days. And when my father was in the bank, we moved around. Pete, how many of these kind of um, medals would we have in the collection at the museum? We might have about half a dozen in total. Uh, quite often the families like to keep them, pass them down. Uh, but we certainly treasure the ones we've been given. And uh, I believe they were cast from metal at the London Mint around about 1918-19 at the close of the war. Uh, I don't know just where the metal came from, but there were some stories that it was melted down uh, German guns or something like that that they made them out of. Anyhow, they're bronze, and there's a few of them around, um, and they're good to good to preserve as a memory of a terrible tragedy. It must feel significant to receive these kind of pieces attached, particularly to someone like the Evershed family, that's so significant to this town. Oh, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. It just adds a, a, a little additional. Uh, part of the story to all of these uh, pioneers here and uh, especially ones like Dr Evershed who were such noticeable people. Robin, it's becoming more and more complicated these days to engage young people in what's happened in, in our past given you know the invention of things like mobile phones. Yes. How much of your family beyond your generation know much about Dr Evershed's story? I don't know. <laughs> they've never spoken to me about them um, I really only have um, two nephews of my brothers and a nephew and a niece of my sisters and they don't seem to be interested at all What were you guys as a family told about the role of Dr Ebershed in, in this community in Vega? Oh, my father talked about him when we weren't in ignorance at all about them. Um, and my grandparents, they spoke of them. You're listening to The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Beagle Valley. This week, we're in the Beagle Pioneers Museum as the Beagle Historical Society receives a collection of medals that were awarded to Arthur Clifford Evershed, the son of Dr Montgomery Evershed, who is the namesake of Beagle's town clock. So who was Dr Evershed? Here's Graham Farron. Welcome, Robin. So nice to have you here and to be standing in the presence of the clock as well as rather fine for us. We have little bits of memorabilia of um, the Eversheds and um, Aubrey has things, um, Goulburn has things, the school down the road here has a most excellent honour board. Our memorial gates are very fine. And of course, the clock in the main street is rather wonderful. Um, this is um, from the history of Bega by W.A. Bailey, who also wrote a history of Aubrey. He may well have mentioned um, the, the, the Eversheds in that history, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, this is a... a a reprint 
of about a 1940 sometime it was written. W.A. Bailey was a teacher at the school down the road here and if you haven't been down that way, Robin, beautiful day, I recommend a walk down that way. If you asked in the office, they would let you in to have a look at the honour board, which is one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, it's in their library now, so you might not, you you could possibly just, they'll get, I've done it myself, they'll, they'll just let you go and have, have a look, which is wonderful. Um, the Bega Valley Historical Society reprinted the history of Bega in 2013, and Sandra Florence, our, one of our life members, with um, Linda Elliott, did a little bit of editing, and they did a rather good job. And um, since it's been republished in 2013, we've sold many, many copies of it. We had the copyright signed over to us. So this is the um, entry for Montague Frederick Evershed, MD, 1841 to 1927. It starts very, very well, and um, I'll use those glasses, excuse me, I've got to that age now where I need to use sunglasses. Um, it's on page 102 and 103, and in fact it is the um, longest biography in the history of uh, Bega. He said, the most noble character in Bega's history was the self-denying, self-forgetting and great-hearted Dr Evershed. Montague Frederick Evershed was born on March 20th, 1841 at Billingshurst in Sussex, England, and served five years as apprentice to a doctor in Arundel, Sussex. He then practised three years at Guy's Hospital London and graduated at London University. After practising five years in Bedfordshire, he served for two years as ship's surgeon on HMS Sabroan, and we had many people who came to Australia as ship's surgeons and thought, yes, this is the place I want to live. And Dr Evershed, as a very experienced man, made the same decision. When that vessel visited Sydney in 1873, Evershed heard of the need for doctors in various country towns in the colony and, after visiting them, decided to establish his practice in Bega. Accordingly, he sailed to Marimbula, the port of Bega at the time, and was driven up by Rickson in his horse coach. Now, he was driven up to here and the coach would have stopped just across the road over there. Rickson's Family Hotel, where we are now, um, on the corner of Auckland and Bega Streets, and the cottage next to the public school in Auckland Street were his first re residence. And his district extended from Tilba to the Victorian border and to Bombala and Brown Mountain, an area larger than the county of Auckland now. Rough and mountainous bush tracks provided the only communication in the district, and Dr Evershed made his journeys on horseback. The only bridge in the district was at Russell's, at Jilla, out on that way. And by day and night, in rain, wind and frost, the doctor made his journeys to his patients' bedsides in the outlying shingle-roofed slab huts of the settlements. In flood time, rivers and creeks had to be swum, at the time of his arrival, Pluro had decimated the cattle and rust the wheat. We stopped growing wheat in those years. Adverse times confronted the settlers. Telephonic communication was non-existent, and the only way to secure the doctor's services was to ride into town with a message. 
JJ Green of Bamboka related how he would ride to Bega for the doctor in two hours. But the doctor, not being an expert rider, would take four hours to reach Bemboka. The whole day would be gone before the doctor reached Bega again. Sometimes he had to remain all night. And the, although the customary fee for these visits was four pounds, the doctor never troubled if he did not receive it from poorer families. It is recorded that on returning from a 50-mile ride to attend a sick family, he once said, I can't charge these people. They seem poor. To him, a journey, no journey was too long to relieve suffering and pain. He would drive to Tantawangalo, including a change of horse at Kamaruka, and collect nothing for it. As time went on, he married Miss Welby, a beggared lady, daughter of the schoolmaster, and resided in the weatherbed weatherboard cottage on the southwest, co uh, southwest corner of Parker and Upper Streets, which is just up here, and later in the cottage at the top of Gibbs Street, opposite Belmore Street, which isn't too far away either. In 1890, he built a fine brick residence for himself in Parker Street, where he practised for the rest of his life. That place is called Morella, and it's rather pretty, very nice. Um, I'll say a bit more about that in a minute. He was a lover of cricket, as was his son, Arthur Clifford, and was patron of the Bega Club. With the gradual improvement in road conditions, Dr Evershed used a buggy for his journeys and in 1914 again changed to a motor car, investing in a Ford. His love for his fellows was reflected in his faithful service as a trustee and church warden at St John's, just across the road, where every Sunday morning found him in his pew beside his devoted wife, who was also a keen church worker and who for 43 years was leader and organiser of St John's Sewing Bee. Unlike many of the prominent figures who have lived in the district, he did not ac accumulate a very valuable estate. In fact, the, de the, uh, the desire to do so did not come into his mind, for he was most concerned with service to his fellows. For 50 years, he was medical officer of the loyal Prince Alfred and Evening Star Lodges. He never sought limelight, being rather reserved. He had a beautiful garden too, he was a very keen gardener. Whenever there was any public speaking to be done, his good friend, H.M. Bloomfield, did it for him. So great was his love for his work that when, in his declining years, he ceased going out, other local doctors offered to buy his practice. He would not sell. Until at his death, its value had greatly decreased. After his death at Bega on June 16, 1927, at the age of 86, the citizens of the district voluntarily subscribed £450 for a memorial to Petch to perpetuate his memory. This, the first and only public memorial to any single person in the district, dedicated in the presence of 2,000 people in May 1930, takes the form of a clock tower at the foot of Gibbs Street, serving the people as the worthy doctor loved to do, and turns the thoughts of all who pass by to the noble character who, as its inscription says, all through his long and honourable life served suffering humanity without thought of fee or reward. There was an occasion a couple of years back where it was muted that the clock might be moved 
and part of that was, well, it wasn't working. But I think it was a groundswell here from the museum. It was over 90% when they did a popular vote of where would we like that clock to be, that it should stay where it was, with, a, with the added proviso, get it going again which was very good and now it does serve the people. I'd got to the point where I said, if you're late for work, blame the council, I haven't kept the clock going. Sandra Florence, our life member, she tells me she wasn't much of an athlete herself at school, but she was very, very good at marching as she was in the Evershed sporting team at the Bega High School, which is just up the street up there. and. In now, let me just check this. In 2012, so just before we republished really the history of Bega, this book, they made this valley home. Stories of the pioneer women of, um, who helped build the Bega Valley, told by Sandra Florence and Diane Pryor, still a member here, another very good historian. They'd written a story. They'd written something about. Louisa Helen Oswald Evershed, Nee Welby. The daughter of Oswald Welby, schoolmaster of India, New Zealand, Bega and Balmain, Louisa Helen Welby was born 17th of November 1850 in Benares, Agra, Bengal in India. Her mother Margaret died in India when she was nearly eight years old. A year later, her father remarried a widow, Lily Wilmot, and the new family moved to Australia, then to New Zealand, back to Australia again, and finally settled in Bega. As a young woman of 21, Louise was the first woman teacher at Bega Primary School, just down the road, Robin, assisting her father during his term as headmaster, and then assisting the new master, Mr Wilson, who went on to serve there for quite some time. Her marriage to the popular Bega doctor, Montague Frederick Evershed, on the 20th of April 1876, would have finished her teaching career. She then became a mother of five, while assisting her husband's medical practice. At first they lived opposite the Catholic Church in Gibbs Street at Rose Cottage, which is still there today. It was only sold recently. Uh, moving later to the southwest corner of Parker and Upper Streets, and in 1890 built the magnificent brick home Morella in Parker Street, which had a croquet pitch for social parties. Um, she was a keen cricketer too, and there's a most excellent photograph of her with the um, women's cricket team here in Bega, of which she was the patron, and... Um, She'd been the captain in her early days. Um, Dr Evershed was also a cricket lover and was a patron of the Bega Club. Family names were used for the Evershed children. Oswald Montague was born in 1880. Arthur Clifford, who we're remembering today, in 1882. Lawrence Welby in 1885. And Frederick Claude in 1889. Mrs Evershed is often written up in the local press as organising fundraising events associated with Australia Day, Belgian Day and other public celebrations. She was also leader of St John's Sewing Bee. 
The items made by Louisa and her wonderful band, band of women were sold and the money earned paid for the parish hall at a cost of £500, which is rather a fine building across the road. Louisa's life was certainly a full one. Many newspaper items over the years make mention of Dr Evershed being called out at all hours of the day and night to attend to emergencies. No doubt these calls would have disrupted the family's life, but Louisa seems to have taken it all in a stride. Along with assisting Montague and raising her family, Louisa was, just as her mother had been, very involved in giving to the community of Bega, um, the Diocese of... Um, Goulburn recognised her. There is um, in their possession a um, trowel used that was presented to Mrs Evershed for laying the foundation stone of the hall across the road. Sadly, his son Arthur Clifford, who joined the AIF in World War I, <coughs> lost his life as a bombardier at Delville Wood, France, in action on the 19th of November 1917, aged 35. Her youngest son, Fred, also lost his life two years later in Bega, aged 30, after a long illness. Helen Louisa Evershed died on the 28th of July, 1938, aged 87, at Morella, outliving her famous husband by 11 years and leaving seven grandchildren. Longtime resident Vin Morrissey once recalled his visits to her in her latter years and described her as a charming, cultured, intelligent octogenarian. He was sure that she viewed her life as well spent. There can be no argument with that sentiment. This lovely lady had aided her husband in all his endeavours and raised a fine family. She had also given of herself to the community she was so much part of. Like her stepmother, Lily Welby, Louisa had travelled the oceans. She made bigger her home and the town felt, felt the benefit of her being here. She was held in very high esteem, and even today she is referred to as Dear Mrs Evershed. I'd love to welcome you to Bega, Robin. I hope you have some time to spend enjoying our town. We've certainly been through many trials this year, and we are so pleased that you could come and would like to make a donation to the museum. Recorded live in the Bigger Pioneers Museum. That's Graham Farham speaking to an audience at the ceremony to receive war medals that were sent to the Evershed family to recognise the passing of Arthur Clifford Evershed, the son of Dr Evershed, during the First World War. Robin Evershed is the great-great-granddaughter of Dr Evershed, whose name is on our town clock. I've been trying to get here with these donations for quite some time, but, you know, what with one thing and another, um, I thought, well, now's the time. I can't leave this any longer because the medal and the little Bible I have will probably go to the tip if younger family members <laughs> find them and think they're not worth keeping. So I have actually heard a lot of what you have read because um, a cousin of mine visited here last year and she gave me the book you were reading from, the one about the women in the district. And of course we've got 
um, bits and pieces of information at home about the old doctor. In the family, we always just referred to him as the old doctor. <laughs> and my grandmother, who was his daughter-in-law, um, she used to tell us little snippets. There was one thing about um, the fact that he didn't take money from people he thought couldn't afford it, but apparently my great-grandmother also used to do up parcels of essential groceries for people. And my grandmother said that often their grocery bill would come to 70 pounds a month. Now that was a lot of money in those days. So I don't know whether that was commonly known or not. Robin Evershed is the great niece of Arthur Clifford Evershed, the son of Dr Evershed, whose name is on our town clock. Robin was in town to deliver war medals that were sent to the Evershed family to recognise the passing of Arthur Clifford Evershed at the end of the war. Here's Graham Farham again with a bit of the life of Arthur Clifford Evershed. We're commemorating today the life of Arthur Clifford Evershed, Bombardier, number 7275. This is from remembering Bega Valley servicemen of World War I, battlefield and war-related deaths, by Pat Raymond. It's published by the Bega Valley Genealogical Society, Incorporated, in 2014. Arthur Clifford Evershed was born on the 30th of June, 1882, at Bega, New South Wales, to Montague Frederick and Louisa Helen Oswald Evershed, knee Welby. Montague, a medical graduate of London University, practised in England for a number of years prior to becoming the ship's surgeon on the clipper ship Sobrian, which sailed to Australia, arriving in Sydney on 28th of December, 1870. After further travels and a trip to New Zealand, Dr Evershed returned to Australia and settled in Bega in March, 1873. He married in 1876 and remained in Bega, serving his fellow man until his death on the 16th of June 1927. He was held in such high esteem by all the residents of the district that upon his death it was decided to erect a monument in his memory. After lots of consideration and consultation, a design submitted by Sir John Sulman for a clock tower be erected at the intersection of Carp and Gibbs Street was finally accepted. Robert Thatcher, the local architect, did the final drawings and was the overseer of its construction. On the 23rd of May 1930, it was dedicated by the Mayor of Bega. One unusual aspect of the clock is that it's made of Small pieces of broken up granite. We have lots of granite tours here. Bigger is famous for them. Curb and guttering. Um, the granite actually came from his house. To family and friends, Arthur was known by his second name, Clifford. Most of his childhood days were spent in the family home, Morella, which still stands in Parker Street, Bigger. Clifford, att- Clifford attended the Bigger District School and in 1894, at the age of 11 years, he joined his older brother Oswald as a boarder at the King's School of Parramatta. 
He remained there for the next six years and left at the end of 1899 school year. In 1894, he won the lower school form prize. He was an all-round sportsman who excelled at football and cricket. At the King's School, he won the honour coat for cricket in 1898 and 1899 and was in the first 11 for the same two years. After leaving school, both Clifford and his older brother Oswald gained employment with the Commercial Banking Company of Sydney. In 1906, Clifford was transferred, transferred to the branch of West Maitland as a teller. In 1909, he obtained a promotion when he became the accountant at Bingara, and in February of 1912, he was sent to the larger branch at Moree. In 1913, he was transferred once again, this time to Aubrey. Clifford retained his love of sport and, no matter which town he lived in, he would soon be involved and a member of the cricket and football teams. In addition to these activities, he was extremely skilful at playing billiards and tennis. While residing in Aubrey, Clifford became a member of the prestigious Aubrey Club, which had been established by businessmen and graziers in 1875. Clifford was granted a leave of absence from the commercial banking company and proceeded to Sydney where he enlisted on the 2nd of September uh, 1915. He was aged 32 years and still single. Prior to his departure from Albury, he was given a farewell by the banking staff as well as from the sporting clubs. In early November 1915, Clifford had the opportunity to return home to Bega to farewell his family and old friends. On the 18th of November 1915, he embarked at Sydney on the HMAT A34 Persic. Clifford was a member of the 13th Battery 5th Field Artillery Brigade. They were known as the Aubrey Battery because many of its men had been drawn from the Aubrey Militia Battery. Throughout the war, these servicemen were strongly supported with gifts and comforts from the Aubrey community. Clifford disembarked at Suez on the 21st of December 1915 and proceeded to join the Mediterranean Expeditionary Force. On the 14th of March 1916, Clifford was promoted to Bombardier on the 18th of March 1916, he embarked on the H.T. Haverford of, at Alexandra to join the British Expeditionary Force, disembarking at Marseille on the 21st, 25th of March 1916. Eight months later, on the 19th of November 1916, he was killed in action in France while serving in the 5th Field Artillery Brigade, 13th Battery. He and some mates were sleeping in a dugout when around midnight a shell exploded in their trench, killing three men and injuring several others. The next morning Clifford and his two dead companions were buried to the left of Delville Wood in separate graves with a cross erected over each of them showing their names and numbers. This location was 50 yards north of the railway at Longueval, France. Even though Clifford's grave had originally been well marked with a cross and his name, 
later it was not able to be located. His na name is now commemorated on the Villa's Bettner Memorial in France. After Clifford's death in 1916, his older brother Lawrence's wife Anne gave birth to a son on the 11th of April 1917. They named their newborn Clifford Welby Evershed in, in memory of the brother that Lawrence had sadly lost. Dr and Mrs Evershed decided to erect a headstone at the Bega Cemetery to honour their two sons Clifford and his younger brother Claude who had passed away in 1919, aged 30 years. It reads, In memory of our beloved sons, Clifford Evershed, killed in action, Delville Wood, 19th of November 1916, aged 34 years. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest him long life, even for ever and ever. Claude Evershed, who died 30th of August 1919, aged 30 years. A soul released from prison is risen, is risen to the glory of the Lord. Bombardier Arthur Clifford Evershed's name is on the Beagle War Memorial, Beagle District School Roll of Honour, which is at the um, public school in Auckland Street, and a plaque in St John's Anglican Church, Bega. His name is one of 400 names shown on the King's School Honour Board, which today hangs in the school's main dining room. His name is also on the commercial banking company Sydney's Honour Roll. The city of Albury, New South Wales, also remembers the sacrifice Clifford made. After the war ended, the Albury Municipal Council commissioned a book of remembrance, and Arthur Clifford Evershed's name is recorded in it, along with about two others, local men, who had enlisted from that district. In addition to this, his name is also engraved on the beautifully carved honour board featuring a border of Australian native flowers, which is hanging in the prestigious Aubrey Club. We're very lucky that um, his great-great-granddaughter, Robin Evershed, was able to supply Pat Raymond with a couple of beautiful photographs of Clifford, one in his civilian clothes, one is a very serious young bombardier. Graham Farham is a member of Bega's Historical Society and he was telling the story there of the life of Arthur Clifford Evershed. You're listening to The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. And this week on the program, we're looking at the life of Arthur Clifford Evershed, who died in the First World War. Arthur was the son of... Dr. Evershed, whose name is on our town clock. And we celebrate Arthur's life because this week, the great-niece of Arthur Clifford Evershed, the great-great-granddaughter of Dr. Evershed, Robin Evershed, arrived in Bega from Wagga to deliver a death penny and 
a service medal in the name of Arthur Clifford Evershed. Warren Davis is a former president of Beggar's Historical Society and a current member of the 7th Battalion Light Horsemen out of Bemboka, who tour as a part of Remembrance Day events, Anzac Day events and alike. And Warren was given the task of presenting Robin with a token of appreciation for the donation of these war medals. Robin, as a past president here, I haven't had a lot of involvement with the museum in recent years, but uh, I especially wanted to be here today because anything Great War interests me. Yes. And uh, it's my pleasure to meet you. Uh, and also my pleasure to be invited to present you with a couple of tokens of appreciation for your donation to the museum. The first is the Remembering the Beaker Valley Service Man of World War One, which uh, includes your family. Mm-hmm. Quite a lengthy article, I'm told. And secondly, uh, a very nice mounted case with a photograph of the Evershed clock and the inscription plate on it there. So, uh, and that's with the thanks of the museum for your donation oh, today. Thank you very much. Robin Evershed is the great-great-granddaughter of Dr Evershed, whose name is on the town clock here in Bega, and the great-niece of Arthur Clifford Evershed, who passed away in the First World War in France, and Robin was in town to deliver a death penny medal and a service medal that were received by Arthur Clifford Evershed's family after his passing in the war. The medals were delivered to the Bega Valley Historical Society to be stored in the Bega Pioneers Museum. Also in this report were Peter Rogers, the president of Bega Valley Historical Society, Warren Davis, former president of Bega Historical Society, and Graham Farham, current member of Bega Valley Historical Society. You're listening to The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. You can find this episode and all previous episodes of the podcast at indiemedia.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast using your favourite podcast provider. Indie Media recognises the Yuan people as the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. Don't forget you can catch The Local Update on 93.7 Edge FM every Sunday morning from 11am. Thanks for your time this week. We'll catch you again next time. Bye now.